Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Department 12 podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Butina. My guests this evening are both returning guests to the show. Uh, welcome to Dr. Sai Islam, Associate Professor of Psychology at Farmingdale State College and Vice President of Consulting for Talent Metrics Consulting. Nice to have you on again, Sai. Thank you, Ben. Glad to be back. And welcome also to Dr. Gordon Schmidt, Associate Professor of Organizational Leadership and Chair of the Organizational Leadership Department at Purdue University, Fort Wayne. Thanks for being here, Gordon. Great. Happy to be here. Tonight, we are talking about your paper, Getting in the Game, IO Psychologists as Debunkers and Testers of Business Practice. It was published in 2019, just came on my radar, and when I saw it, my eyes lit up. This is the kind of paper I really like to sink my teeth into. Let's start here uh, with Sai. So lean management, this is one of the most influential business ideas of the last three decades, at least that I know of, especially in manufacturing, where I spent a lot of my time. But when I search IO psych journals, I enter a parallel universe where lean never happened. It's like, I don't know, WandaVision or something. What is going on here? Am I on drugs or is there a better explanation? So this was actually one of the first conversations that Gordon and I had about this paper and about this this topic, because the structure of the journal, basically the way that the, the journal works for, for this paper is there's a focal article, and the focal article in this case was about lean management, which was a topic that Gordon is really into you know, in terms of practice, right? Like understanding it, reading about it. And in the business world, this is a very well-known topic. And the focal article in this issue of industrial organizational psychology, Perspectives on Science and Practice, try saying that five <laughs> times fast. No. You know, they, they're, the big pitch in that article was, hey, lean management is a thing. People do this thing. How does it fit into the world of IO psychology? Because as you mentioned, Ben, we didn't really study it. We haven't really looked at it. And as a management practice, it doesn't appear in our research literature at all, if if at all. It's, it's very, very rare to find it. And so, you know, Lean basically says that you try to do things as uh, inexpensively as possible. You use uh, a technique called Six Sigma mm -hmm. to kind of approach that. And it's a technique that has been adopted quite widely using a, and it has a really cool setup where you can get different belts. It's like being a martial artist. So of, of course it took off because it's like being a business martial artist. I, I'm sure somebody's going to be listening to this lean management and uh, my description of it. And then like, that's, that's a very, very simplistic way of looking at lean management. For, but for our purposes, I think, I think that that works. So the idea is that you're going to increase profitability, improve your organization through this technique. And when Gordon and I read this focal article, we wanted to expand the scope of what the focal article had to say mm. by looking at it, not from just saying like, well, there's a lot of stuff that we don't cover in IO psychology that exists in the world of business. Mm -hmm. And lean was just the kind of tip of the iceberg. And even if you read the focal article, which I recommend by, you know, Zicker at all, you know, the... You know, Lean has existed for many, many years, for decades, and we, for whatever reason, as a field, haven't really touched it. But, you know, we set ourselves up as being the scientists within the world of, of business. You know, but specifically, you know, our work focuses on selection 
and, you know, kind of predictive analytics within Mm -hmm. this space. But what we felt was after reading the focal article was there's a lot of space where we can really flex as industrial organizational psychologists. And -hmm. we're not really capturing that part of it, which is where this paper and its response comes from. I'm going to have a link to to your article and to the focal article in the show notes. And I would encourage you, if you haven't read this journal before, you should be reading it because it's a really cool format. Uh, Just as as I described, there's a focal article that's basically an article that's shared uh, with readers before publication. And then uh, readers can decide to respond to that focal article with articles of their own. And it's all peer reviewed. And and what's really fascinating about it to me is seeing all the different perspectives and all the different jumping off points that people can take based on that focal article. So this was in response to Lean, but Cyan Gordon broadened it and said, hey, we, meaning IO psychologists, we need to be debunkers and testers of real world stuff. So Gordon, why us? why do we IO psychologists need to get in the ring on this one? To my mind, it does come down to what is the value of psychology of understanding the psychology of people. And I think the biggest thing that we see in technology often is there's some cool tool or technique, it's going to fix everything, but we don't look enough at the psychological aspects of why or how that's going to work. And I think things like lean can be applied in ways where You just do whatever the things Toyota did was, you know, you get your Kanban board and you mention Kaizen a lot, and therefore you're going to be successful in what you do. So to me, it's an area where the tools, I think, can be very powerful and useful, but they also Mm -hmm. can completely be pointless when we don't consider the effective people on what's going on. And so to me, it's a very natural fit for IO psychology to kind of fill that needed void, right? Is because we're often looking at the in, what do individuals do? How does their psychology affect what they're doing? When that's a big part of, you know, why are people motivated to do lean? How do you get people to buy mm-hmm. in? How do we do teamwork related to lean? How do we do leadership that influences people? A lot of times right. we talk about the tools, and I would say this is true for things like artificial intelligence as well, things like machine learning, where we get focused on the tool is going to fix our problems, but ultimately people need to use the tool correctly. They need to understand it. They need to be motivated for it. Otherwise, it's just you know another tool that's mm-hmm. potentially wasting our time. Frankly, um, is yeah. kind of my feeling at least on it. I'm a green belt from ASQ and, and Lean Six Sigma, and well before I ever took a stats class, I learned how to do statistical process control and hypothesis testing through lean methodology. It was really just about throughput on the production line. Human aspect of it was never addressed. And I, at the time, wouldn't have even thought to do it. And if I had, I wouldn't know how to do it. So it makes a lot of sense that, hey, maybe the people that study the psychology of work in the workplace might have something to say about this process that intimately involves human beings. Sai, let's bounce it back to you. Debunkers and testers. So testers, I get, and I don't have any heartburn about testers, but in the article, we kept coming back to also this word debunkers. And isn't that like tattooing the phrase confirmation bias on our foreheads? Like, isn't that saying we already don't think this is true and we're just looking for data to support that? 
there's already things in the workplace that exist that are used that we know based on our scientific evidence that really doesn't get supported at all, but it still continues. Our favorite example is something like the Myers-Briggs type indicator, right? Which is extremely popular, but doesn't have the sort of psychometric reliability and validity that we focus on in the world of biopsychology. We agonize over those <laughs> values, over those the predictive capabilities yeah. of our tools. And a tool like the Myers-Briggs has been under fire for a really long time, but it continues to be used. And so that's where I think the phrase debunking comes from, because there there are these sorts of products and tools that continue. So another one for me is learning styles. Ben, you're, you're in the world of, of talent development. And, and so you've probably heard the phrase, you know, I have this learning style. I'm a, you know, audio, you know, I'm an audio learner or, you know, a visual learner. And there's no good evidence for that uh, technique to be used in the development of training programs. It there's there's no data showing that people have a primary learning style. It doesn't really seem to help design the programs more effectively. And so there's lots of different types of programs that are out there mm-hmm. and different types of of topics that really need to be d- debunked. Or yeah. we, we need to kind of highlight the fact that the scientific basis for this is very limited. Biopsychology as uh, a rigorous academic discipline and and a fairly rigorous practice needs to touch upon topics like this. Because if we allow things that don't really work or approaches that don't really work to continue, we don't know what sort of harm might come from them. And Mm -hmm. there's lots of very iffy, very concerning methods that might be out there that actually harm the field overall. You know, in the past 15 to 18 months, we've been talking quite a bit about things like diversity training. And one of the interesting conversations for me is is watching people talk about diversity and realizing that when people think about diversity programs, they primarily think of unconscious bias training or Mm -hmm. some sort of diversity training. And over the past year to year and a half, things like unconscious bias or other types of diversity trainings have come under fire for not being effective. But we need to be in that conversation so mm-hmm. that we can show both the value of diversity and inclusion training. And also, if there is a problem, we are good enough to say like, hey, th- this is the weakness of the program. This is what we have to work on. Because right now, organizations are making choices without that kind of information, without that kind, without making that kind of distinction. And iopsychology, you know, 100 years of, of, you know, rigorous academic research and, you know, slightly under 100 years of, of practice experience really needs to, you know, step forward as a field and say, like, hey, this is, this is our jam. This is what we can do. And this is very closely related to the fact that many people outside of our field don't really understand what we can do. And when Gordon and I were talking about this, it seemed like an easy framework and an easy lens by which to talk about what mm-hmm. biopsychology fundamentally is. There's, let's say, two buckets of things uh, that we could look at. One is, here, here's the stuff that we, we're pretty sure doesn't work. We, we have a, a good amount of evidence or, or lack thereof to show us that this common practice is, is not a thing uh, that works. We don't have good evidence for it. And, and to that one, we need to wave the debunking wand and say, hey, you know, we need to figure out ways to convince 
you know, the rest of the world of something that we already know. But in the other bucket is less certainty. So lots of practices that we don't have much evidence about them either way, at least generated from within our own field about whether they work or not. And so our role there can be testers. And I guess the, the central idea of your paper, as I understand it, is we are driven uh, for the most part right now internally. So we're building theory within our own field. And although we're in applied science, it's still kind of inward looking, at least in terms of the, the published peer-reviewed research. And your argument is, hey, we need to also be studying business practices in the real world as they're done. So whether or not we created them or we generated some kind of theory that relates to them, if this thing is being done in the real world by a lot of people, then it's worth it for us to test it. And that's exciting to me, but I do wonder what we lose so let me ask you this, Gordon. Um, suppose I got another magic wand and I wave it and about half of the researchers in IO psychology are now focused on testing and debunking real world stuff, theory be damned. And the other half are, are kind of going on as business as usual. I think it's clear what we gain. What do you think we lose if we do that? Or, or what are the risks of doing that? Well, I, I think it's impressive to get 50% of people convinced to do anything. So That's why I got this magic wand, Gordon. <laughs> I'm for that wand, I want to borrow it sometime. Well, I, I, think, th you know, I think that's always a question with, with research of what, what are we creating of value and how does it affect the world? And I think that impact is something that we don't look at very well. So, you know, we've got journals that we think are good. We look at things like citation rate. But, but the idea, is anyone using this in the real world? I don't think we have a good handle on. And there's a lot of people that are mostly making stuff up that have a lot more impact in a lot mm -hmm. of areas. And so to me, I think if you, if you legitimately had 50% of IO psychologists focus on testing business practice and publishing things on these issues... I think you just have a lot more impact to the field. Mm -hmm. um, I think people that really want to do in-depth, rigorous, theoretical work would still be doing that. It would just be giving a mission that I think might be greater impact for a good part of the field. Because, yeah, we can chase a lot of those same studies with lab studies and looking at niche issues that... I, I don't some of that value is not much value add, frankly, ultimately. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I don't know whether we lose something. Probably there's a mix of who, who should be in mm -hmm. which camp or who's good at which that might take some time to figure out. Um, yeah. Because I don't think we want to be necessarily doing this work and publishing it in impenetrable scientific <laughs> way that no one can understand it outside of I.O., I, yeah. I don't think that fits with the mission well. And so I think that is part of the struggle too, is that people don't come to our journals and know what we're talking about necessarily unless they yeah. already have our perspective. And right. that's part of the reason things don't get out as well. So I think it's worth a shot using the wand, Ben, is what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. I'll take it under consideration. We are in applied science and we have been trying to communicate what we know 
to practitioners, you know, to the real world, but it's mostly been a one-way conversation where we sit on the mountaintop and say, foolish mortals below with your, you know, psychometrically invalid assessments and whatnot. We will now share our wisdom with you and we'll try to break it down to maybe an 11th grade reading level so you will understand it. But the conversation hasn't gone both ways. We're not also listening to what those businesses have to tell us about their real world conditions, the stuff that they're actually doing, the context in which they're doing it. Now, I'm going to give you another hypothetical, a sigh, so you can rest easy for a little bit, Gordon. A, a grad student uh, in IO Psych sends you an email, sigh, and they say, I re really love this paper. This is it for me. This is, this is what I want to build my career on is doing this kind of work because I, I think it has so much potential. I also need to build some kind of career for myself as an academic, as a researcher. What do you think the chances are I can get this kind of thing published anywhere? What do you think the chances are I can get tenure somewhere based on a body of work that, that is this kind uh, of, of testing and debunking? Okay, so as the as the the crusher of hopes and dreams, um, <laughs> so we went from Gordon and his magic wand to you know Psy and the destroyer of worlds. Oh, so I did kind of make <laughs> you the bad guy. Sorry, that's okay. I'm you know the villain always has more fun. So I would say that there, you're probably not if you're planning on going into academia and if your goal is to have an academic career and you want to focus on this type of work. Mm -hmm. And you plan on going into an IO psychology, you know, you know, whether it's teaching undergrads, whether it's in a master's program or PhD program, I do not believe that you're going to have that much success from a publishing standpoint, just because the nature of academia is such that you need to have a body of work that plays into an existing theoretical framework, right? So you need to be building towards that scientific theory and just kind of taking this sort of debunkers approach, I don't think works particularly well, especially if you're planning on working with organizations. If you think that you're, you're really interested in looking at the science and you're saying like, hey, I'm interested in looking at what works, what doesn't in our scientific field, I would say that what you're really talking about there is something called meta science. And the people that you may want to follow in that area are people like Dr. Brian Nosek, who's a big name in like the open science world. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a gentleman by the name of, you know, James Heathers, who has a great Twitter feed. He's very funny, but he's also devoted a lot of his time and energy towards looking at mistakes and errors and error management in science. But as he he's written, you know, Heather's has written quite a bit about this on on Twitter. You know, that is very it's very hard to create an academic career out of mm -hmm. looking at here's the mistakes that I've noticed in in other the area of of research where I think you could possibly become an academic and do a lot of this type of work it may not be IO psychology at all. It might be evaluation. Mm -hmm. Where in, a, in evaluation, the primary focus is on looking at and understanding how well programs are working, what works, what doesn't, and what the impact is overall in an area. But it may not be in a traditional sort of industrial organizational psychology department, because in those departments, you need to be contributing to theory. You may need to you know, be trying to get grant money, and that is all based around sort of 
traditional academic markers. And, you know, if you look at the focal article that we're talking about, if it took, you know, 20 odd years to get to lean management, there may not be a journal that's interested today in the hot new business topic. The other way to to approach this might be looking at and and talking to existing business journals. So one of the interesting things about IO psychology is as a field, if you're planning on going into academia, you can teach in an IO uh, department, but you can also go into business school. I think that there may be a place, but even in business school, you may need to focus more on developing that theory rather than just trying to publish papers that are focused on these, you know, these areas. If, if you did, you'd need to find a specific set of business practices, maybe that's lean, and then look at it through an academic lens that's sort of already established. And as Gordon mentioned, it could be motivation, it could be a number of different approaches, but it wouldn't purely be this work of, well, I'm going to evaluate these things, and then I'm going to say whether they're good or bad or medium, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, that, that probably wouldn't happen. On the practice side, depending on where you end up landing, it's really hard to tell companies and organizations sometimes that the thing that they've invested in isn't working as well as they thought. It's an incredibly dangerous conversation, and <gasps> as in, <laughs> it it is. It's a it's a like a a political minefield. So you know, one of the areas where talent metrics tends to work is we help organizations figure out if their programs are as effective as they might be or how effective they happen to be. And if an organization has invested quite a bit into a technology platform or, you know, something else, sometimes stakeholders in the organization don't want to hear that this thing is not working the way that they expect. And in that situation, sometimes we have like off the record conversations where we communicate some things, some of our concerns, but what happens with that information depends on the organization. In some cases, they say, okay, we're going to make a change. In others, they say, no, we're, we're sticking with this. There's a, a political reason to continue, and mm-hmm. we're going to continue with this, you know, this technique or this approach, even if you are telling us that it's not really working. Yeah, the, the irony here is it kind of relates back to exactly the topic. You know, we're saying... Hey, we think that, you know, the testing and debunking is a great idea, but hey, there's all kinds of reasons that the field of industrial and organizational psychology right now doesn't necessarily have a journal for you to publish that in. You're not necessarily going to be able to build a career, much less a, a tenure application out of this. There's all kinds of reasons, even though it seems like a really good idea, there's all kinds of reasons that we're not doing it, at least we're not doing it yet. And, and very often that's exactly what we run into as IO psychologists when we're uh, trying to persuade a business client, for example, to implement one of our ideas. It seems very clear cut to us why you would want to do this, but there are some reasons. There are political reasons and uh, tradition and all kinds of cultural things that mean, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to continue doing the thing that we've sunk our cost into. Back to you, Gordon. This will be the last question, but you do get the hard one since I gave Sai a hard one. I'm going to give you another hypothetical. I'm a business owner and you want to work with me to test some practice that I've implemented. What's my incentive to do that? If you find out that what I'm doing doesn't work, then I look like a chump. And if you find out that it does work, then I've kind of published my secret sauce for all of my competitors to see. So 
why why am I going to cooperate with with a, a tester or a debunker? So you know we have in business things like benchmarking as well as best practice related things. I think some of these things are not used well and probably not actually best practice. <laughs> But but the well, they're basic, really common practices though. Yeah yeah they're really common practices sometimes. Oh my! You're not going to get in trouble by picking this. Is what that means. Yeah, but and I think that that's that's part of the question is, do you want the practices you use in your organization to actually work? Are they worth the effort and time that you put into them? Mm. And I think that that's a question that I think is actually very important that we don't think about as much. But I, I think if you're using lean in your organization, I think there's an argument for us to test how it's going as well as see how it functions in various ways. For instance, for this this special issue, I also did a commentary related to motivation constructs in lean. And so there's a lot of things you would predict from goal setting theory that would suggest that lean's not going to work because mm -hmm. it's got um, impossible goals and things like that that you're building in. You know, you might think people's self-efficacy would be low if you've got such high goals and such changing over time. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that you can apply a lot of these things to be like, well, what we really need to do is build the self-efficacy of the people in our company towards this lean initiative. Or we need to set proximal goals that will help get us to these huge waste reduction goals that we have. So uh, I think I think there is an argument of that our testing isn't just vote up, vote down, mm -hmm. uh, like this is Gladiator or something, right? I think it is what is what works and what's going to help you do what you're doing. And I so, so to me that is the argument of this because I think in a lot of cases it's not good to just say things don't work. So that's what we've heard a lot with unconscious mm -hmm. bias testing is it doesn't work. Well, what should I be doing then? Well, having a, a better environment for diversity, being supportive, having policies. But that sounds like a lot of work. And to some degree, it's vague <laughs> when I can just do a training and we'll feel better about ourselves, right? Yeah. And so I, th I think you do need people that are actually forward thinking in what they want to do and really do want to make practices better versus make it look like things are okay or doing all right. I think that's a lot of applied issues we have with things like training is I do the training program. If I evaluate it and it doesn't work, it seems like you guys just wasted a bunch of money and I did a bad job. Well, in fact, evaluation is how we tell what works and potentially modify it and make it better. So to me, this fits actually really well with continuous improvement perspectives. What's working, what's not in our lean initiative yeah. being by science, how we can do it better. So I think there's probably a way to frame it. Maybe we need yeah. some type of qualification or Lean Six Sigma IO Black Belt 5 level or something um, <laughs> to make this sound more appealing. But I do think continuous improvement and all these things suggest we should be trying to get better. This fits very well with those concepts. Mm -hmm. I, I think there is an argument for it. I don't think it's necessarily easy. But I do think these perspectives in theory do overlap with what things like lean are actually trying to do. Maybe that's naive <laughs> that someone wants to actually do that to some degree. We've got the tools. We'll just use the tools. But I think how we frame it, I think, could help 
it to be a better sale than we're going to show you the things you're doing are dumb and we're not going to tell you anything else to do. You're just going to look bad. Um, I think yeah, it's like, like, like you go to the doctor and the doctor either says, you're healthy, great, or you're in trouble. Go home and die. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there might be something in the middle. Yeah, and so for those of you at home, uh, what I did and with my hypothetical was I took a continuous variable and I dichotomized it unnecessarily. And you got to see how much richness of that data we lost by doing that, by making it a yes or a no or a pass or fail thing. There is a marketing thing here, Ben, because I think debunking is more interesting to people in academics, while testing or improving is probably more interesting to people in industry to make their thing better. So I mm -hmm. think scientists feel cool and we debunk things. But I don't know whether that's the best framing for people. We're going to show your practices don't work. Rather, we, we're going to help those practices to be better. Because there's parts of lean that work. There's parts of things that work. We just need to improve the things that don't, is, is how I'd frame it, at least. Yeah, that's, that's real bad news for my planned 20-year campaign <laughs> of making fun of the Myers-Briggs type inventory. I got to rethink the whole thing now, thanks to you guys. So... I, I want to thank you both for being such good sports. I took sort of a, a hostile approach with my questions, but as a practitioner, this is exactly the kind of paper that I want to wave in the air like a flag at the next PSYOP, you know? So I, <laughs> I love it. I think it's so valuable to think about this stuff. And I hope that if we talk about this again in five years or 10 years, that some of that infrastructure that we've talked about that's not in place now is, is maybe in mm -hmm. place then to support more testing and debunking of real world business practices. So I am going to include a link to the paper itself and to the focal article, as well as links to your social media and business accounts. Cy and Gordon, thank you very much for writing this paper and thank you very much for talking to us about it. Great. Thanks for having Thank us. you, Gordon. I mean, thank you, Ben. We uh, had a great time. Yeah.